it is the opinion of this podcast. Oh yeah. That Roswell was nothing more than a balloon crash. Oh yeah. This is consistent with one salient fact of life. Oh yeah. Nothing is fantastical, everything is disappointing. Except this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show to have finally solve the Roswell <laughs> alien autopsy question in the most MacGyver way. Uh, anyways, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And my name is Wade Bowen. And yes, we're talking about an episode called Little Green Men. Is that right? Yep, that's right. This is episode seven of season four. It originally aired November 13th, 1995. And the IMDb description is as follows. Quark and Rom take Nog to Earth and Starfleet Academy. But a malfunction with the ship takes the crew back in time to Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. That's pretty much that's pretty much all that happens. Um, yeah, that's that's completely accurate. And uh, it's this kind of a famous episode. Would you guys say people like it? Um, yeah, I think I think people like. I think it's a key Ferengi episode. Okay, is it a key Ferengi episode, or it's a much beloved Ferengi episode? Or is it? That's true. Yeah, that's that's. Or what is I mean, it yeah. just a Ferengi episode? All right, guys. Is it? We, it, we all sound like we hate this episode. Is this? Is this episode <laughs> too cute by half? Uh, what am I? Uh, it's too cute by all. He, like, I don't. Uh, this, I don't hate this episode. Okay, I might I, be in the middle. And I part of the problem with this episode for me is that it was nineteen ninety five television. And televisions weren't as big in 1995, like physically, mm. and they were shaped different. So that <laughs> informed how it was shot. It felt like 1988 television to me. It honestly. did. That's what I mean. It was it was shot like and you have these extreme close ups of this makeup that's already hard to look at. And you could see mm-hmm. like the cracks in, 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 in the makeup itself. You know what I mean? It, like It felt like. An old Doctor Who episode mixed with MacGyver. That's what, for some reason, it does I, seem I, like a yeah. yeah. That's how it felt in my head. Like, or I think and if you if that's what you if you like those things, it's like hey, this episode's a lot of fun. If you want Benjamin Sisko dealing with moral quandaries in the future galaxy, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. How do you feel about Mark Twain and TNG? I think that probably tells you a lot how, about how you feel about this episode. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I hate, I generally hate, and I think we're like, I know Hugh's on the same, like I generally hate time travel episodes cause it seems to be like a, it seems like a chance for the show to cosplay. And I don't like that. Like, don't like have your own sense of humor and make your own jokes. Don't like, Hey, look, it's th- this is the episode where we parody Mark Twain. This is the episode where we parody James Bond movies. This is uh, like, well, there is it never works. The only one that it, the tri- like the trials and tribulations is probably the only parody episode that works. Everything else is like a no, wait a minute, uh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is one time travel, uh-huh. there's a few different time travel things that work, but the most notably is the feature film 
first contact uh, well because I, they're not cosplaying a real event i'll give you i'll or, give you that i wouldn't call that i wouldn't call that cosplay right. you're right i have issues with that movie but that's not an issue that i have with that movie. right well i'd say the shining example would be city on the edge of forever right yeah that's the first one yeah and it's fantastic yeah yeah nobody has anything bad to say about that right right like mm-hmm. you know first contact again i think james yeah it's like oh it, i like it but some of us have minor problems with it but yeah but that's not the problem with that no like if i got a problem with that movie that's not the problem with that right movie. right and city on the edge forever works because it it's good right mm-hmm. and i don't feel like and i don't feel like it's 19 it's not doing like poverty depression shtick it's set during the depression it's set in that time period in the way that i don't think past tense was doing Okay, speaking of past tense. I was like, yeah, I was about to say, oh, it's bound to come up. Where do you guys want to, like, unpack, start? I guess we could start from the beginning. There's a, because there's a lot of... A great scene. It starts with oh, a great I, scene. I love it's the all beginning. downhill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're at the bar. Uh, what Now, what is this, what's the name of this ritual that they're going through? It's like the opposite of a bar mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's already <laughs> had the Ferengi... Um, bar mitzvah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever they call that. Mm-hmm. But then this is like, they don't do they, they don't actually name the ceremony. They just have Rom explaining, when a Ferengi is ready to join, blah, 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 he sells all, all his boyhood treasures. <laughs> to the, and then so they take a bidding and like, I don't know about you. But I'm buying these pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was also lots of in jokes. That was the pajama. Like, I guess those are that was a costume that Max Grodencheck wore in TNG episode. Oh. As a furry. Yeah, there's lots of little. That's lots of little cute humor humor in that scene that I didn't. You know that you don't pick up on unless you're a nerd. Right. Right. Yeah, and I read about it. So oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody's got their things that they're buying. He's like. You want to buy this? Uh, my fa- my favorite hollow suite. It's a pleasure goddess of Rick's for Bashir, and he's like, "Well, I don't know." And then Dax, sex positive Dax, that wants to get everybody laid. He's like he'll take it. She pays it, buys it for him. <laughs> do you want to buy my por- Do you want to buy my porno man? Right. <laughs> right. Like she's like, all right, maybe you'll maybe you'll stop being a creep to me. Bashir walked away with his big box of porn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh. But and then we have the uh, scene. We have the little exchange between Worf. Oh yeah, yeah. Being ra- racist, yeah. And uh, and then O'Brien kind of telling him, "Check your your Klingon privilege, bro." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. People probably said the same thing about you because Worf is like, "I don't know if Ferengi and the Academy." That's like, right. Hey, come on, buddy. And then yeah. But then he finds a little bit of like you know what he finds something in common with the Ferengi when he finds. A Ferengi teeth sharpener. Jake has to tell him yes. what it is, and he tries it, and he likes it because, hey, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a convergence point between they both have pointy teeth, or they both like to have pointy teeth. Hygiene, so. right, right. He um, also s- stole Kira's spring ball racket that she's been missing for two years. I guess since Baril died. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that one episode she played it with Baril. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was all fun because this was I felt like this was about this was an Iris Stephen Bear because I'm it's it's just gonna be me me shitting on him all all this whole episode. <laughs> okay, but um, this was the point where Iris Stephen Bear's instincts work, where he really gets how to write Ferengi's as a commentary on capitalism or on like you know like out, out of control capitalism, and this is one of those things where you know everybody has to sell their humanity or or their identity 
in order to take the next step. And that, that I thought was cl- that it, you take it to that extreme. It's really funny and clever and that they're and it's a cultural thing. So it comes in contact with the prime directive. So they're all having to like be tolerant of this this procedure <laughs> right. so all of the starfleet guys are having to participate where they would all be willing to just i don't know give them money or, or whatever because you can just rep- yeah, yeah whatever you know i'm sure they would give him whatever they would be like you know like the pass a plate and take up a collection for him but instead it's the ritual it's it's codified it's, it's ritualized and so they all have to participate it's it's cute and clever it's the best it's Iris Stephen Bear writing at its best, uh-huh. uh, and then then the scene ends, and then we get the and, uh, and then the rest of the episode happens. And it's Iris Stephen Bear Jekyll. Like, shows up. <laughs> I don't like, think it's that bad. I, think I it, really don't think it's that bad. I just don't think it's what I want out of Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what I think. I, I think he's got a cornball 1980s sense of TV humor, and I don't think he can ever shake it. But he's working. He's built. God bless him. He's built a framework of a show that's progressed beyond that. Mm-hmm. But like you can't, so you say, you know, well, it's I like think he, this one's probably supposed to be a breather episode. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Where you do move, they do move the overall narrative. No, oh, no, no. I know. I down know the yeah. ball down the field a little bit because you see some progression with Nog. I mean, the natural yeah. progression of where he's supposed to go in his journey, especially since that comes into play much later. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, like, and Armin Shimmerman completely holds like you can build a show around Armin Shimmerman. Oh, yeah. Sure, just don't have I mean, the close-ups. Of, don't have so many close-ups. <laughs> you know, I'm sure if yeah. when everybody's watching this on you know like a 22 inch VCR TV combo, <laughs> three thousand pound TV. Right. Yes. I'm sure it's fine, but like this blown up on on my big screen TV, <laughs> like it just was just too much. Yeah, the shift to four my sh- my recent shift to 4K television has made most things unenjoyable to watch, but this especially because i mean there, I, there's a fidelity terminal element but it just seems so much brighter and crisper and yeah the 4k fake. seems uncanny in the stores it's like we yeah, need a, yeah. a degree of graininess to enjoy tv yes there's a cinema mode where it like backs off like it, on my screen it backs off like it's that. like <laughs> it knows it's too much <laughs> yeah back up yes <laughs> Yes. Somehow TV is now obnoxious in its quality. <laughs> so, so like I need, yes, make it look darker yeah. and like less, less like it's happening right here. Right. But yeah, yeah. The Ferengis fare pretty poorly. Yeah. They, they do do some like coming of age stuff with Nog. They have the, him and Jake sitting on the promenade and he's like, oh, this is our spot where we, how many times have we sat here? And, and Nog is like, 2,147. He's like, uh, just kidding. Yeah. And he's like, we spent most of our time here, but we didn't do anything. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like what we did in high school, James. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, when we weren't, when we weren't uh, smooching behind your mom's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in her nightmares, that's what we were doing. Yes. Uh, uh, no, uh, yeah. Yeah, but like, that, yeah. <laughs> but then they but go he, kids kids do a lot of nothing especially yeah yeah especially yeah. kids that aren't doing a lot of doing a lot of fucking <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> dorky kids like us and jake and nog yeah kids who aren't doing a lot of weed and fucking are doing a lot of nothing <laughs> yeah jake is reading a bunch of you know faulkner <laughs> writing ancillary <laughs> so you know he's a lot like us in high school Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I liked all that stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. But then Quark's cousin Gala has given him the ship that he always promised him. And so. Now, have we met Gala? I don't remember. No, he's he's kind of like. No, we 
do. We do. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, we do. Have, we haven't yet, though, right? No, I don't think so. No, no, definitely not. At this point, he's like a conversation that Morn has. All you know, you never hear it, but you hear it talked about a lot. You know, they apparently Morn won't shut the hell up, but you never, you know, yeah, it's not quite the right analogy. <laughs> It's like Morn talking or Dax's ex with a clear skull. Yes. Yeah, so something that's off screen that they mentioned a lot. And I like that even if they didn't, I mean, he has, he's in two episodes later. I just looked it up. Um, even if they didn't like, you know, do that, I do like that they're building a, like a reference gallery of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this one is all about Ferengi references. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, uh, and he's played by an actor, like a working actor you see in like a lot of stuff. Oh. Like a pretty good actor. Well, um, I'll leave it a surprise when we show up. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, but he's on TV. He's on like Ray Donovan okay. and Law and Order Special Victims. He's in stuff, you yeah. see him. Okay. So. Don't see him yet. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but he gave Quirk the ship and then Rom checks it out. And they name it Quirk's Treasure, and he's like, All I ask is a tall ship and a load of contraband to fill it with. And I'll be rich. Yeah. But then they go to Earth, and there's chemocyte and shenanigans ensue. There's chemocyte shenanigans? Yeah, apparently, yeah. So that's always fun to have. Yeah, the, the time travel where they... Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, whatever chemocyte, I don't know if it's been mentioned before, it's this... Unstable something or other. Something or other. Hey, they get, they didn't call it Tetrion bars or something. Because every Techno Babble thing has been powered by Tetrion particles so far, but it's nice to have a new yes. one. Yes. Tetrion. <laughs> it's fine to have something that's not that. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or something to do with ablative armor. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Rom figures it out, obviously, when he's like, oh, when, when you went to the rate waste reclamator. So it's like, oh, when you went to the shitter. He went because the the ship was listing to one side, and when Quirk went to the shitter, he went to the check it out, and he found all this chemocyte. And Quirk is like, "What is that? Where, how? When did you become a genius?" And he's like, "Well, I was always smart. I just lacked the self confidence." <laughs> so then he cons him for twenty percent, and then Nog is like, "Well, you know, I'm about to join the academy, but I haven't joined yet, so I'll only take twenty percent, not to blackmail you." And they do that, and then oh, and then. Nog comes up and he says, just because they think they're so clever, he's like, oh, you hear about the belt? Or I guess they're establishing that Nog knows a lot about 20th century humans. Because he's like, yeah, because he got this. He's been given a book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to know about like 20th century humans. Yeah. And so I guess he read that on the way. And so it's all like fresh. On page 32, it says... That there was a place called Roswell. And, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. No, it, Julian and O'Brien gave him a hitchhiker's guide to Earth. Yes. <laughs> that tells him, except it won't tell him how to pick up Earth women. That was his like, Yeah. But it tells him all about the Bell Riots, and he's like, doesn't this look a lot like Captain Cisco? And Cork is like, oh, humans, they all look the same. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they, they're not consistent with the humans. I did notice that. Oh, really? They call them humans or something? Yeah, they slipped. Yeah, they, they calm down mm-hmm. instead of calling them humans. We get some interesting stuff that happens with the Universal Translator, I guess. We find out a little bit more about the yeah. Ferengi brand of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a cascade reaction, blah, 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 chemocyte. Rom's a genius, so he creates an inversion wave in a field with force to jump into normal space at the right time. They can make an emergency landing on Earth, blah, blah, blah. But that turns out... Because it this night 1940s style pan to the calendar, we know they land in 1947. Yeah, and then they're in Area 51 or whatever. And they're in Roswell, and yeah, their universal translators don't work, so they're doing. We actually get to hear some raw Ferengi spoken. Oh yeah. Oh, I wrote all of it down. 
<laughs> well, okay, so I got like a, like I'm gonna crawl up the Universal Translator's ass here for a minute. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. first off, why why then do they consistently mispronounce humans and things like that? If the translator's faking it, wouldn't the translator correct it right? Also, if everybody's got an implant, then why do we hear Klingons speak Klingon? Like, wouldn't they never be able to shift out since it's all an artificial filter? Right. Well, Klingons. Is the, I think is the probably the Ferengi are using android and everybody else is you in ios <laughs> right oh. and and perhaps <laughs> it's a siri yeah, Cortana. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and something about it can pick up the different ways that they even inflect humans in their language that's different wow. and then that gives them yes uh yeah my whole question is like uh do all the races have human like translators in their ears i don't think so but Maybe that's a Ferengi thing where they just... Well, then how do they, when you meet new people... It's like in their... No. Okay, we can't think about this too much. Yeah, because yeah. at some point we know... It, <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's We know that everybody's got to speak their own fucking... Everybody's got to speak English or the show is right. a fucking nightmare. I think we that's... Know that. yeah, yep. And then they use that one the one cute device to set up bits. It's basically... Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have any of this universal translator nonsense if it wasn't for the need to do silly bits. <laughs> right. Yes. They're doing the monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. yeah you gotta have the bits mm-hmm. or else. Grin trout, yup, braid, grin, skin lop, pop far. Uh, sorry, I'll save all. I could be real obnoxious and read three pages of Ferengi, but uh, I guess I'll save y'all the trouble because <laughs> I don't remember how it's pronounced. Yup, into your bar, yup, scoop. All right. Yeah, that'll get old. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that you're right. I do. I do. I do appreciate that, though. You keep being way, man. Yeah. You keep doing that. Uh, there's probably, there's, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a listener out there frustrated with the fact that he didn't get to read it all out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call in. Call in. If you want a special in. bonus episode of me, just read, just, we'll do like a uh, Wade does Ferengi, like a, you know, hits from the <laughs> 70s, super hits. Phrases such as. So what it'll be is you'll, introduce Break us and we'll all be there through you, kudos home bark oh you'll oh, introduce in the podcast and we'll all be here like we'll say hello yeah and then you just start speaking and then like an hour later you says three to be yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> and we never speak to the entire podcast uh that i guarantee you that is some that's a dream all right uh episode for some some <laughs> of our listeners i don't want to yes yeah so um, I guess Scotty didn't uh, write the um, language. No, for, uh, I don't know who did. Like, there's no right. Like, I think it's just made up. I think it's jibber jabber. I, I, Probably Robert Hewitt Wolf. Right. It's been a night like really into it. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I mean, there is like some s- syntax to it. Yeah, it's full sentences. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's neep grin. I think is thank you. Yeah. Neep grin. I think uh, Rom says one time when it's clearly after when Nurse Garland gives him a hairpin at one point to fix the universal translator he's he's coming at her and he's like and i'm pretty sure that means give me the give me that hairpin and then she does and he says which is all right i'm i'm getting on my own nerves i'm gonna stop i think that three three to be i think that wade would you know has a passable working knowledge of the ferengi language like if he went there he could find you know get directions Order something to drink. (laughs) (laughs) Don't order cigarettes, though, man, because they're not into those. No, yeah. Um, They pay to poison? Yes. Okay. They buy it? Smoking later. They buy poison. They'll buy anything. So we got the Nurse Garland. We get get to spend more time with Megan Gallagher, the actress. She was in the episode with John Glover Uh, where he was trying to steal Dax's belly worm. Was she the prostitute that... 
the hooker with a heart of gold? Yeah, yeah. Who's also Larry Sanders' wife, right? Oh, that's where I recognize oh, her from. Oh, yeah. yes. That's All it. All right. Yes, yes. Now we know what's up. Yeah, that's yeah. square. Yeah, so uh, we get to see her again. I like her as an actress. No, she's great. And I and I love and I love Charles Napier as an actor. <laughs> like, uh, Is that General uh, Denning? Yeah, who's been in like, he was in the original series as uh, a hippie. Yes. A hippie, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, he's been in like a thousand other things playing this exact same character. Right. It's perfect. He's, so he's a Rambo. He's a Rambo. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, he's Murdoch. <laughs> he's the bad guy in Rambo. And like, he's in a thousand other things. He's in Blues Brothers. He's in, he's in a thousand things and he's great in all of them. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of a lot of like, he does a lot of voice work mm-hmm. things. So he's the best. It was nice to like, I guess if you're going to deal with bland, boring, obvious character tropes like he's yeah yeah he's your man because he's he's good at him yep so that was nice to have some charles napier i do not remember the original series episode he was on yeah yeah he was a hippie you you seem to he played the harp and it was <laughs> they literally had like space hippies oh yeah that's like two-thirds of them right yeah Google it. Yeah. No, I see the picture. I'm looking at the picture of it here. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you're right. The original, they had the series of shows where they would land on planets and it would either be space hippies or space Nazis. Yeah. And that was, they got a lot of mileage. That's a half the original series <laughs> right. right there. Or, yeah. <laughs> or Abraham Lincoln. Right, right. This planet, for some reason, adapted this ancient Earth culture to emulate or mm, something yeah so okay so let's get into this for more ferengi world building we learn about the ferengi afterlife and then we'll get that out of the way uh that was kind of fun yeah like oh maybe we're dead like this isn't the divine treasury <laughs> there's no latinum and besides where's the blessed exeker <laughs> where are the celestial auctioneers why aren't we bidding for our new lives hmm? <laughs> well well, may- maybe we're in the other place or whatever. Like the vault, the vault of <laughs> eternal destitution. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. The Bart was showing a profit. Yeah. <laughs> All fun stuff. So, like, Iris Stephen Bayer when he's when he's writing for Ringy Culture is pretty great. Yeah. Oh, and then we got two rules of acquisition. Oh yeah, which we haven't had in a long time. We haven't had a rule of acquisition in a long time. No. Yeah, it's been like half a season at least. I don't know. We get one that doesn't get a number. The riskier the road, the greater the profit. I must. That has to be one. And then because then Rom is like, but what about rule two hundred and three? Which is uh, new customers are like razor-toothed gree worms. They can be succulent, but sometimes they bite back <laughs> because they're going to sell arms to the uh, humans. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so do we want to talk about that part? Of well, that? okay, so like I just, okay, so let's get into the whole, like they land in the 1947. And so immediately it becomes this parody of a, like every mystery science theater movie you've seen, <laughs> like the, the 1950s like sci-fi movies where there's the asshole military guy and like the wide-eyed person that that wants to work for science and explore, right. and then there's the the woman who can see through the monster's ugliness to see the soul in them. You know, it's a thousand different movies. They specifically reference in interviews Lost Colony, which is a movie I've never seen, like a '50s mm. sci-fi thing. And I think this is the core of why I just found this episode boring, is because I just I wasn't into the conceit. I wasn't into like the whole like 50 stuff. It wasn't, fi- it's all filmed in like a room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. They take a smoke break and they have a scene outside. That was, <laughs> no, that right. was, that, that was weird. That was a weird thing where they're just like all outside. And it's obvious, like it's the studio lot or whatever. Yeah, it's a paramount, it's a paramount back door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. It's like 
it's where Pee Wee Herman's driving through at the end of Big Adventure. Exactly. And it seems to me, and maybe, I don't know, because I'm of the generation where I probably would have just heard about Roswell in 94. Yeah, yeah. Because X-Files was, is big. Yeah, and, and it seemed like Roswell was at a peak, that sort of, so it was full of like Roswell shit, like the, the balloon, it's a weather balloon, the Hangar 18, so it's all this like right, right. minutia bullshit. I don't know, like I didn't hate it. I mean, I hate, I, it seemed corny to me. It was. Yeah, and I think that there's people that enjoy that more than me. So I Yeah, I enjoyed it. But if you know, you gotta be in for it, you know. If you're yeah, and I, I, if you're wanting, you know, the visitor or no 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 uh, but I, I want duet, uh, you're gonna be not, disappointed. I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying that. The show can be funny without being corny. And I did think that this episode Quark trying to turn a scheme. I think Quark doing the salesman stuff. I thought that was fine. Really? Like, obviously, Armin Schimmer. Because that, that taxed me the most. <laughs> I've given it faint praise. I've given it bonus points because Armin Shimmerman, you know, he's the man. Sure. So he, he yeah. he's up to this material. So he was doing his best. So it was nice to just see a good actor do fine. But, like, the whole time I was like, I just don't. I, it's hard for me to. I don't know. This, this episode wasn't for me. All of the cornball responses, the I just can't wait till we get married, and like all of that sort of. Uh, and I know that which, I know that they're better than. Maybe in the future we'll be able to go out and explore the galaxy and seek new life, mm-hmm. and new civilizations. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, that was corny. <laughs> all the smoking shit was corny. Uh, I thought. Yeah, I mean, funny. I mean, it's a good. I mean, it's a message, but like, I mean, I get what they're doing. Sure, sure. Uh, it was like early poison, on in the. They, it, you poison? can pretty much confirm your smoking bias. So yeah. full disclosure <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, we know well, how no, much you I, eat. <laughs> I don't smoke now, but I, I, I'm a smoker. I'm a life. You most order. definitely did in 1995. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't start smoking to college, but. But nonetheless, what? yeah. Well, wait, I didn't. What? Yeah, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that doesn't no, jive. That doesn't. That, that doesn't. That doesn't drive with my memory so much. I don't feel like I started smoking cigarettes until then. Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. That's my timeline. I remember. Maybe but. that might check out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, that wasn't like obviously smoking is bad, and you should make fun of it. <laughs> but it was this like there was times if you go but rewatch the first season of Mad Men, there's scenes where like Betty is allowing sally draper to play with his like bags over Mm -hmm. like a dry cleaning bag over her head and you're like clearly they're just doing like common like you see like like them slap the kids and stuff so it's like this hard commentary of like people were fucking assholes back then and did a lot of bad you know did a lot of just self-destructive stuff and not that i think like that's right they did and see and art should comment on that but i think it was doing it smugly in this like i don't know sort of a cheap way i always appreciate I, I don't know. I like that stuff when they just call it out. What bugs me more is when they have like a primetime show goes back to the 50s and they don't smoke at all. And it's like, yeah. they don't mention, and when they kind of whitewash it out of there, that bugs me a lot more than when they actually, because, you know, it'd be one thing if they were just smoking the whole time and nobody said anything, then people would get upset that they were glamorizing it. So I, I think this is like the but better they do way. It, it, they do it three times. Hey, dude, they it was, three callbacks it was pretty heavy. Hand. Yeah. And it was complete with a smoke break too outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I love the, uh, and I love this. This is such a thing that when you're in enclaves of smokers, the lighting two cigarettes to hand out. Dirt's like, that was like, you're like, okay, that, that was a smoking culture thing that works. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't, and they did have to fight for the smoking. I don't mind the smoking and I don't mind that the first time they made a cut, like, what are they doing? And then that was this idea that this, it's a poison and the joke about well, I can make money off of yeah. if I can sell people their own poison. I can like all of that is in character and fine, but like the keeping on with it was. And it just played into, I know I worked pretty well for me because it played into the, one of the big kind of things they're playing with 
that the Ferengis feel so are so superior to these primitive humans, which the joke is that Ferengis are created as a commentary on well, modern day humans. The real quick, can I talk about what I think the best thing about this episode is? Sure. When Quark asks her if she wants to fuck him? <laughs> no, 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 no. I <laughs> think there's a... Umox? Utafa? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that means, do you want to fuck? <laughs> like I said, if you were, you can get around, you can order, you could do a lot of stuff probably if you had to in Ferengi. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, no, the insistence, even after the military guys know what the Ferengi are, the insistence on calling them Martians anyway was, yeah, yeah. was the most... <laughs> Because it's just like Native Americans. It's like you think that they're you land here, you think you're in India, you call the natives Indians. They tell you what they're really called, and then you're like, yeah, 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 Indians. And you do that for the next, you know, six hundred years or whatever. It's like a callback to that. It's like your ignorance is so deep it almost becomes authentic in that way. No, I agree. To me yeah. that was like that was like the best part. It was the best because it it's how it would happen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. It yeah, showed you, a certain you, myopicness of Right. You you land here on our planet. We're just going to call you whatever we want. Right, right. Yeah. And I liked that Quark goes full music man, loud Lanely. Trying to sell him a monorail. Yes, yes. <laughs> we and got phasers, fun. disruptors, photon torpedoes, even quantum torpedoes. Oh, and in, in today's political climate where we talk about Russia so often, the whole thing, like, like if you won't deal with me, the Russians will. It's like, oh, that, that whole conversation's turning my stomach. I'm trying to get a, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to get away from swarmy businessmen doing deals with Russia. <laughs> right. I think this is the time I like to bring up, like, the high horse with the atom bomb. Which I get, but oh, like yeah. I don't like that seemed like an off thing coming for I don't yeah. know like or, I don't I don't know don't like you if, have laws against oh, sorry go back to the Russian and timely thing don't you have laws against this the right. torture yep. things like yes. not when it comes to national security yep. we yeah, don't that was like, all like holy shit that hit a little close to home it like, did it, yeah. it did for me too yeah it's what it is is it you could why it hits close to home is is that if you look through like media throughout the ages that's trying to say something. And they can they can hit these points over and over again. What's scary is, is that it doesn't change. It's like, you know, if you're being sarcastic about the military and industrial complex, yeah. it still works. Like the sad thing is it still works like 20 years later. Yeah. Those kind of jokes. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Yeah. War never changed. No, sorry. I'm starting to quote Fallout now. Oh, yeah. War <laughs> never changes. And that, and then maybe that's why, like, I, I thought that the atom bomb stuff was a little weird and high hat. Like, because I, I think that that's a perspective that I would have. Like, if Benjamin Sisko went on a rant about nuclear fission and using it as a weapon, I would tolerate it. But, like, Cork doesn't give a fuck. He's like a gun runner. And it's not like yeah, he's well, ever it goes, like, well, it goes back to his he's trying to sell him photon torpedoes. Would, would that be a bet? I mean, how? I don't know. Quantum torpedoes. They're even yeah. like, oh, you're saying that like you can't really have moral high ground if you're. Yeah, an arms like they deal. go into this like, oh, you guys are fucking with uh, like atom bombs. Well, it's his, it goes into his kind of moral superiority thing like, oh, my God, they irradiated their own planet. In the same way that they're like, oh my god, they buy poison for themselves. Don't they know it's killing them? Like, I think it's just because it's all bad business. I think right. It's the same but way. But they didn't make he, that case in the. If he said yeah. that nobody gets rich through mutual assured annihilation, that would have been 
in character. Yes. But he didn't. Yeah. But he does, he did, when he was like, they irradiated their own planet, that's crazy. That's kind of yeah, what I got yeah, from that. Yeah, it's a, you, you can go either way. I guess that's why, that's a good example well, of why I'm not before, so hot on this episode. Yeah, they love playing the moral high ground with Quirk when yeah, they can get it. Yeah, but they irradiated their own planet because now everybody's a planet, like in the show, everybody's a planetary monoculture. But admitted that they didn't have interstellar, that the Ferengis didn't have interstellar travel in the, whatever the equivalent of 1947 was. So they had to, uh, and... Well, Apparently, neither did the Klingons. This is all wrong, the, by the way. Like this yeah, is, I, I thought that was wrong. This is yeah. all wrong because there is a episode. I mean, there's an episode in the 1950s in, of Enterprise where Vulcans. It's a good episode of Enterprise. Well, where Vulcans well, are this, in. This is before Enterprise, is it? Well, Enterprise is wrong. Well, <laughs> this came before it. Well, but like, there's all of this other the Ferengi, and no one had it. Like, yeah, the the idea that Vulcans, which okay, built civilizations on other planets right. that were ancient in the shows like it's yeah it doesn't it, hold it water was weird to a, me. it was it doesn't hold water it doesn't hold water outside of this episode but it could just be that they're wrong it could be quark's ignorance yeah right he's like humans klingons or even vulcans i'll be he he thinks he's going to be ruler of the galaxy if he can pull one over on the humans. Yeah, no, he's saying that to himself. Like he says that to Nog, though. That because that's when he well, has that. That's what he I'm, says that. Not yeah, to, I'm saying he's wrong and uh, he's ignorant. Nog, when he tries to get that woman to rub his ears. Oh. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that'd be. Your, I was pretty sure that would be your favorite part. God, I hate that. That's the worst business right there. <laughs> it is, and they love it. They love it. They go back to it. And oh it's, yeah, it's so gross. With his dad in the room. Oh man, clearly. <laughs> in the room too yeah <laughs> that's an extra dimension of grossness that it yeah, had and then his dad it. wants to get in on it like i was like man this is this is getting weird <laughs> i like that that freaked you out more than like him wanting to stick his his, his yeah. head in his mom's naked lap that that was weirder <laughs> to me but yes the ear jerking off stuff is uh, yeah because it wasn't sexualized when it was in his mom's lap, but he we saw his son having an orgasm next to him, and he says, "I I kind of want that." That's what skeeved me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It was yeah. This this episode was doing every cornball shtick that I just hated, and uh, and all the way into calling like that piano playing Democrat Truman, like like all I, this kind of gumballs. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I don't know. It's like an old. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just. It's just shit. It's a light. It, it is a lighthearted episode, and if yeah. you're if you're game for what they're doing, mm-hmm. I could see how it could be entertaining. But if you're not, it's not good. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, the equivalent would be okay. So twenty years later, so you'd be like, you know, the audience in the '90s that would be sitting down and watching this. This would have been like of their dad's era. So it is watching like what we'd watch. like. So it'd have been like us watching something from the '70s. It felt like that. And if we were watching, if Discovery has an episode where they go back to the 1970s and it tra- the tropes, the Tarantino-esque tropes of the 70s that we would like to see, I'd still think that was pretty cornball. I like to think, and I just wouldn't have been into it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. That's a good point. Do we think that, and we know that that definitely is not going to happen. There's no, no, that Discovery is not the kind of show that is going to have a light episode. Yeah. So is that something that we can appreciate this series? Is it something that we're going to miss? That's my question to you. Oh, in primetime or in golden age television, everything has a consistent tone. It's mostly sometimes a dire tone. And so there's no light, I know. lighthearted no, episode. Well, every now and then you'll the, you'll get like a musical episode or something with some, but not with the 
high quality prestige stuff. And not in an hour long prestige television show. Not I would prestige. argue that the Sopranos had funny. I mean, Sopranos had funny episodes. Yeah. The Pine Barrens, to a large degree, is a funny episode, and it's considered like the best episode. But what I'm saying is, uh, are you guys going to miss like episodes like this are going the way of the dodo bird? Is it for the better? I guess is my. Or are you gonna miss that? Because Discovery uh, seems like it's gonna be a self serious thing. Yeah. And well, I'll miss episodes like The Visitor, which we also won't get because that's a one off. You know. I'm not even sure if we'll have a one-off. This person was is set aside in time and lives in another time and has this like one episode bubble episode of self exploration where they get to live a different life. Like than a what science, they knew. like a science fiction short story of an episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think we're gonna get that. It's a trade off for the overall for like being so married to the overall arc of a narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, stepping away. If they step away in Discovery, and this is becoming a Discovery podcast, but if they Sorry. Just step away, no, no, no. But it's married to this episode or what we're talking about, Deep Space Nine. So, um, if they step away from occasionally telling science fiction short stories with these importance like the visitor or inner light or even duet if they step away from having those contained episodes like that i think that will be to its detriment because i think good golden age television does that still like i mean maybe not game of thrones or something like that but like breaking bad definitely had one-off episodes that were like an explore like where he's just trying to kill the fly he's trying the- to kill the fly or the episode where it's all about her fucking ted or whatever or the the episode that was Gus Frigg and executing all of these people and then, like, why that was important to him, that episode. They, there are these self-contained things that happen. Yeah. Well, I think, well, who knows? There's a lot of, co- I'll save the conjecture for Discovery Podcast, but if, yeah. if they have, like, a one-off episode just watching, um, what's his name from Rent, look at fungus. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, that could be interesting. Yeah, or exploring, like, a little bit of himself. Uh, Mad Men did that a ton. Yeah, yeah. Where there was just an episode, this is an episode about Pete's feelings of emasculation or whatever. There were a lot of episodes about Pete's feelings of emasculation. <laughs> sure, but, sure. Um, and this is one about Quark's, uh, Quark's desire to be a despot of the galaxy. Yeah, yes, so. yes, yes. Always taking an opportunity and what a pain he is to everyone around him. I think that's to its detriment, but I do think that like this cornball humor stuff where you have these large tonal shifts that I think is a, I think then that you were talking about more like, is the Orville going to be more of an inheritor of Trek than discovery? Well, I think that's more of the question because it looks like my, my instinct is, is that Seth McFarlane has a more cornball sense of humor than I do. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll probably, even though I, the, the show looks interesting because it looks like it has a funny tone and I like funny things. I'm not like a dire asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and also format wise, it's going to be self-contained episodes more or less too. He's yeah. come out and said, so. he's come out and said that 15 years ago, they stopped making Star Trek that I cared about Yeah, yeah. and I want to bring it back. And he does, it, it doesn't look like they're going in that direction anymore. And I want to do something in that direction. Right. So but that's, and, that's know, for another podcast. That's more exciting to me than, Look, it's modern sci-fi movie, but with Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, there's a good chance I could just be very disappointed and, and dissatisfied with both. Yes. Yeah. That, that is probably more likely. <laughs> right. And if you have if, if you have more questions about what we think about these things, tune in for our Discovery podcast. Yeah, but, but the way I would approach... Seth MacFarlane is an interesting case in point here. I think this episode 
is probably comparable, even though I haven't seen the movie because it looked like a movie I would hate, which is that Seth MacFarlane movie about the Old West. That looks like the kind of humor movie that I don't like. And so... I didn't see, but like, I think this episode is kind of like that too. Hey, we're going to take modern. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do from a modern perspective. We're going to spitball it like historical things and mock how idiotic their culture was. And that's not, I'm not like, I'm not like white knighting historical cultures. I just don't find it funny. You know, take the shit out of them all you want to, but don't do it in like a cornball way. (laughs) Oh, you know what? You know what? Deadwood does that really well. Yeah, yeah, and it does it within tone, and it does it within, con- like, it's, yeah. Deadwood had surprising humor to it. So things need to be funny, but things just, yeah. You're saying you don't like the Cleveland joke? I, where where <laughs> they're like, Nog is like, wait a minute, no, we're going to destroy this planet when the military guy comes in, and they're, they've they given Cork five shots of sodium pentothal that don't work. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was funny. It's not he's like, just stop it! Ah! He's screaming. I guess it was oh, clever of Nog, and it wasn't. It's not necessarily like a trope, where the, like a cliche of where the episode would go, where Nog just starts telling them what they want to hear mm-hmm. to sort of change, turn the tables. And that was kind of, you know, I thought that was. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another way where they're showing Nog as being the most competent, suited for modernity. Yeah, the yeah. Ferengi that's suited for a multicultural. Yeah, yeah. He sees what these people want to hear, then if he gives them a little bit. He'll be able to maybe get control of the situation, mm-hmm. and and he does, you know. So that works. Yeah, we've got three hundred Marauder class cruisers <laughs> around this planet, and like, yeah, and we're gonna land on by that blue dot. It's like uh, Cleveland. <laughs> so Odo's in this episode. Oh yeah, he stows away and he goes to the past. And first <laughs> off, do they not have a life form reading monitor on their ship? But anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, he seems like he's introduced and the only thing he does is tell him where the hangar bay is. And like, that was, uh, that was what he, he punched a guy. Like, yeah, yeah. He's using his death ray finger and they go, that just looks like a finger. Like what, what this, no, it's a, it's, it's my, it's not, it's a death ray. It's like, really? Cause it's just a finger. And then he comes through and there, the nurse Garland is like, who's that? And Cork is like, my hero. Yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit much. Yeah. So alliance of planets versus no, it's going to be a federation. What? Never mind. And then, yeah. And then also when Quark decides that he is going to go back home instead of stay and roll the galaxy and fuck the timeline, he's like, "Wait, no, shut up, no." He's trying to convince the humans not to uh, go anywhere. Like, no, you don't want to go explore the galaxy. You want to stay home. So the federation never happened. But he's talking to the wrong person. Because yeah. come on. <laughs> it's 1947. You think a woman's gonna have it? No, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, times being what they were. But yeah. So, and then they get off, and, you know, and everything's fine. Yeah, they have to fly the chemosite into the middle of the a bomb test and get a reverse time warp to expose the chemosite and blah blah blah. And then they fly into the explosion and they go back home. You guys got any yeah. final thoughts on this episode? <laughs> and then court goes to jail and then rom is like i'll see you in two weeks oh yeah yeah and yeah they they run these get a lawyer petty yeah like oh i'll call cousin gala immediately he's like and cousin gala is the one that tried to kill them by giving him a reprogrammed ship that was gonna break apart and warp yeah yeah that all happened this has got the record for the least amount of cisco really yeah it's got two lines so uh 
you know that that's I think that's a good barometer of how much I'm going to enjoy an episode. Is <laughs> I do too. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I think I, I think that that's a uh, causation, and not a correlation. Okay, a, uh, let me ask you this, guys. Where does this on your rewatch a meter? You know, I guess. James, this would be like a one. You you have you never have the need to revisit this episode again. I, I would I would be fine if this episode if I never watched this episode again. Yes, I mean there's an asterisk. I if I'm in the right mood, I'd put it at a six. All right, all right. Mm. But I have to be in the mood to watch a goofy time travel with Ferengi episode, and you know I might be in that every I now might, and then. I mean I might be a, a three. I mean there could be a circumstance where I re- rewatch it, but I can't. I don't know. Not on purpose, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I wouldn't turn it off if it was on. So that's about a three for me. Yeah, right. The problem with this episode isn't like in season one where it's just garbage off. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, just no. like not to your taste. I think it's you actually know, like, really well done. It's just like I said, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't like this brand of TV. I don't think. Yeah. 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 That's what it wasn't like. What the fuck is this episode? Like everything about <laughs> it is dumb. Like it's not that it's just that this is, yeah, this is TV made for people that have a different sense. It's doing a good job at something I don't want. <laughs> yes. 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 That's the thing. I mean, and like if, if Armin Shimmerman wasn't as good as he was, was or even the, the casting of the new, you know, the new casting of the new characters and all that stuff, like, that's fine. Everything's fine. I like Nog. I like Rom. You know, it's the characters I like on an episode that I don't like. Yeah. Which makes it like, you know, like, I, I feel like I should bring more. I feel like even I should have insights about it, but I don't. Yeah. Do you, do you guys want to guess uh, what the good people of IMDb think of this? Five point. Five. No, they don't go that low. I don't know. I don't know. I think people like this episode. I think some people like it and then some people hate it. So that's why I'm going to. Uh, I, I feel like it's probably polarizing. It's my I'm, guess. I'm going to go six, nine. All right. Well, boys, hold on to your shorts. <laughs> this one has got 896 votes. It's, it's, it's over. It's over a six, nine. Yeah. Okay. It's 8.4. Yeah. People love. Holy people shit. People love this episode. Wow. I'm sorry, everybody. Like. I think I may have liked it the most out of these three, but I gave it the shittiest. Yeah, no, I think you I think you liked it the most out of all of us. And I think the rewatch meter kind of shows the order of the pecking order of, of uh, how much we liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where people are coming from there. That's fine. OK, <laughs> uh, right. maybe some viewers are. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's something that I associate with being an older person's sense of humor. But I may be wrong about that. Well, it feels like it's shot for old people. Like I was like, it felt to me like a murder. She felt wrote. like a murder. Mm. She wrote MacGyver era TV show. Like maybe, oh, this was like, was this a reworking of a taxi script that he did? Uh, are you are you saying that Patty and Selma would have really loved watching this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I think that that's right. And so maybe you know, maybe that's it. But it, it was just. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I hate hating it because I'm, I'm like the champion of. I I was trying to see how long fourth season could go without episodes that I hated, and now it's like I didn't hate last week, but it's you know. Uh, We're, well, this is like the smoothest doldrums that we've gotten. Oh into no no so no! Far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, That's a great point. Yeah yeah yeah. The season four is still yeah. Here we go. Yeah, we're in the parts of the season that aren't aren't going to make it to my white album. <laughs> right. right. So. All right. Next week, uh, next week we got sort of K-less though, 
which is holy the, shit. Yeah, the, which is the first, oh. which is the first episode that was specific, other than the other than Way of the Warrior, that was specifically written for Warf and Dax and Core. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, so the the, the the Dakar Master, the Dakar Master. It's uh, it's it's good stuff, and it's it's got a treasure of the Sierra Madre feel. This is a good episode, guys. Like I'm excited about next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. This is uh, this will be interesting stuff next week. I have to brush yeah. up on our Klingon lore, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna we're gonna end up going on 20 minute tangents on Discovery. I feel like. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. All right. Save that for the Discovery podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Wade, you got some voicemails for us this week. Uh, probably. Yeah. Let's just jump into them. All right. I only hope that one day mankind will travel to the stars and take its place in a vast alliance of planets. Federation of planets. Excuse me. Uh, don't pay any attention to him. He's an idiot. Trust me, the galaxy is a pretty rough place. You people are much better off staying right here on Earth. Let's go, Quark. vast alliance of planets. (laughs) You get the craziest ideas. Hi, everybody. It's Wade. (laughs) We got um, more calls than we can use most of those weeks and less than I can fit in. I feel bad. So, uh, hey, I'm going to throw in this good call that we had before. Keep giving us your calls so that we can keep calling. If you haven't heard your call yet, you know, keep calling in, you know, the the regular deal. But let's just jump into it. All right. Hey guys, it's Kristen from Toronto again. The Visitor. Oh my god, The Visitor. I love this episode. Love, love, love it. It is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek, if not TV in general. Tony Todd is amazing, and yes, it does totally make me tear up. It is great. Um, I had not realized that Melanie was Andrew Robinson's daughter, which is kind of awesome. And uh, now that I you said that, I cannot unsee it. She's got that kind of bug-eyed Garak look about her. Um, yeah, as an actor, she's underwhelming, but I think the real weakness of Melanie is actually the character itself in that I just don't buy that an aspiring writer who's got the nerve and gumption to show up at, um, J.D. Salinger's house doesn't also have something she wants him to read. Like, that character would be there with an arm full of iPads with her mediocre short stories and, or novels (laughs) or screenplays, um, that she wants Jake Sisko to read. And he should be telling her, no, there's no time because I'm going to die in about six hours. Um, But yeah. But the real reason I'm calling, guys, is that this time around when I watched the episode, I realized something kind of (laughs) awful. In the timeline where Sisko dies, there doesn't seem like there's a Dominion War. And if there's a war with the Klingons, it doesn't seem to be that that bad. Um, Which means that by rescuing his dad in order to give teenage Jake Sisko a chance to be his best self. Jake Sisko is responsible for the deaths of millions, if not billions of people slash intelligent life forms. Now, there's no way he can know that. He doesn't know that he's going to cause the Dominion War to happen. Um, And Jake Sisko has no memory of the events of the Visitor, uh, but Sisko does. Ben Sisko does. And fortunately, I think the show does never go back and deal with the implications of Jake Sisko being history's greatest monster. Um, <laughs> and neither does Ben Sisko. It doesn't ever seem to affect him as far as I can recall. Yeah, so chew on that one, guys. Um, but other than that, great episode. 
Have a good night, Peldar Joy. (laughs) (laughs) The name of that email was titled Jake Sisko, History's (laughs) Greatest Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she brings up a great point that that I think that is a common. Yeah, it's it's now common enough. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked I, about it, it uh, like before. I think. Yeah, that we that I even I feel now I feel guilty because I cut a whole conversation that we started. <laughs> like, and I didn't like. You're right. Way yeah, to go, James. Well, I don't know. It, you know, it's okay. fine. No, you made the right call. Look, James. look. Everybody needs to know every actor in Deep Space Nine who is also in Twin Peaks. Everybody has to know that, so I can't <laughs> cut that out. Okay, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. So yes, that that is a like a thing, and you're right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think going back to it's weird. I don't know how to make right. Robin Cisco to like, my son, you I really should have died. Like, I wish I, I, damn it, Jake, you should have let me die. Yeah. But I think it, that it's just a nut. The reason why that wasn't addressed is th- there was a nuts and bolts reason. That yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just, they just didn't address it. There's an IR. I mean, there's an IR real reason why it's there, but it is a weird hiccup of of continuity. Continuity. Once right. you well, put it all all the yeah. canon together, it, it is pretty weird. Well, Jake. I mean, Benjamin Cisco is a guy who has learned how to exist outside of linear time, or how to deal with that. In just the emissary episode, the first episode, I'm not spoiling anything. Um, or but, I would also uh, like maybe maybe that's a job for like some like David Mack or something to go back and like clean it up like in a book. Oh yeah. Like where Jake, Jake alternate timeline, Jake Cisco is like, is shocked at the ravages. <laughs> you say that like, you don't like, I you won't. don't think there's five, there's five, there's, there's a whole series about that. <laughs> surely right? the alternative old man, Jake Cisco timeline, probably <laughs> right, old right. man, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mark Millar wrote it or something. Mark, it's going to be a movie. The Mark Millar oh, yeah. uh, book of uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she does also have a good point like yeah melanie would have had a whole armful of ipads i think yeah, yeah. So read my hey stuff, do you want to read my sort yeah you want to you want to read my slash fiction mr cisco and actually maybe ask him some questions based on his craft as opposed to just like, like tell me more about your dad <laughs> it's like hey i'm gonna let you talk what you want to talk about <laughs> but no she I, wanted yeah. to know why you stopped writing mr cisco but yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that's a good call, Kristen. Yes. Yeah, always good to hear from you. How are you doing, I guess? Yeah, uh, yeah, give right. us a, we keep it coming. All right. All right, and before we go, I guess we we want to talk about how our week's been. No, uh, announcements or anything. <laughs> James will have probably a, a video up in two weeks, two and a half yeah, weeks. No, 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 but legit, man, I have, I've got everything <laughs> written, scripted, recorded. I am just doing the montage editing. It actually probably will be two weeks this time. Uh, <laughs> it, if not a little earlier, but I do, I, I am a stay at home dad and I have kids. So give me, give me a break. But, um, <laughs> but nonetheless, we'll see how it goes. All right. Yeah. But I, it's, it's coming. It's not a lie. Like the last times I said it. Okay. <laughs> Fool me once. <laughs> Forever James is on uh, YouTube yeah, yes. reading the right. But yeah. And then Crimes Against Hughes Manatees. Yes. It's been on hiatus since I've been moving. But this week I finally got uh, some of my stuff in my house. Uh, I got my computer unpacked and I will be posting comics every day 
starting tomorrow, and then new comics will come back after Labor Day weekend. So by the time you're hearing this, if you go to crimesagainsthumanities.tumblr.com, you'll start to see some comics again, and new ones in about a week. All right, well, I got nothing. Well, because <laughs> I'm too busy working on this. I'm sorry. I'm working on this other podcast, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've been cheating on this podcast. With no, no, podcast. No, 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 it ain't like that, baby. No, it's not. <laughs> it, no, it's actually like the if you like pina coladas, because it turns out it's us. He's <laughs> cheating on this with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Uh, we all like walking in the rain, and we like new Star Trek shows. So. Yes, uh, we just <laughs> launched over the weekend a Discovery Home Companion. You probably got a little short little trailer in your feed already if you didn't. Anyways, so you know the drill. Go check that out. Please help us really kick off that podcast. It's going to be fun. We're not going to give up doing this one, but there's another Star Trek show coming out and we're going to do a podcast about it. Yeah, and I mean, it'll. I, I mean, I guess like, like it does like just from us doing a couple of these like sort of episodes to in, in the hopper without having seen the show. It does feel like a, like the speculation aspect. I mean, it's, fu- that's a new thing for us. Yeah. And so it's fun. Oh, yes. to, you get to see us stretch our legs in real yeah. time. And I think that you'll be, you'll be, we're here to aid you in your journey yeah. through the first season of Discovery. <laughs> all right. We're here and, and, and to, to bounce make, ideas off theories. And to make fools of ourselves. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're more prone to that, too, yeah. at least on my part. Yeah. So, the show's going to come out and we're going to feel like, I'm so fucking stupid. What was that? So, yeah. So it feels different. It feels like, I mean, it's still us. We're, we're I still, you know, we still talk about dicks and shit, but like, <laughs> it's funny. It, it's, it's a different feel. Yeah. But I like yeah. it. Yeah. So go check that out on your podcast machines uh like subscribe please start leave reviews i don't know that probably helps us out the most now to leave well i don't know i don't know about nobody knows how reviews work just subscribe that's that's the thing (laughs) yes that's the that's the best thing you can do for us right now yes all right and as always if you want to just talk to us directly you can hook us find us on twitter right oh yeah yeah at uh acquisition pod Email us at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. And uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, and give us a call at 917 408 3898. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.